Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. Listen, let's get one thing straight. Guns don't kill people. I do. Channel 62 has the lowest ratings in the history of television. What they need is a new station manager. No, not him. Forget it. No way. A man of action. Ah! A man of courage. A man of vision. What's your name? Billy. Billy what? What they get is a man so desperate, he'll put anyone on the air. Hey, Stanley. Yeah, George? How would you like your own TV show? Okay. You get the drink from the fire hose! Okay, you ready? Yeah! Open wide! He's Conan, the librarian. Today, we're teaching poodles how to fly. We beat up the networks. George Newman, he starts where the others stop. We're the number one station in town. Orion Pictures presents Weird Al Yankovic in UHF, the movie. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie UHF from 1989. The studio was Orion Pictures' release date was July 21st, 1989. The running time was 97 minutes with the rating of PG-13. The budget was $5 million, and the box office took in $6.1 million, making it the 105th ranked movie of 1989. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 64% fresh from 25 reviews. Their critics' consensus is, UHF is bizarre, freewheeling, and spotty, though its anarchic spirit cannot be denied. Not really a surprise, Roger Ebert at the time gave UHF 1 out of 4 stars, and here is his review. Somewhere there is an audience for UHF, I have no doubt, and somewhere this weekend someone may laugh at some of its attempts at humor. Weird Al Yankovic has had a lot of success with his parodies. Songs and music videos spinning off of Michael Jackson and other easy targets. But this is the dreariest comedy in many a month, a depressing slog through recycled comic formulas. Those who laugh at UHF should inspire our admiration. In these dreary times, we must treasure the easily amused. The movie is a satirical anthology like Kentucky Fried Movie or or Amazon Women on the Moon aimed at television. It's a series of half-baked parodies of bad TV strung together with the notion that Yankovic has been given control of an obscure UHF station somewhere in the heartland and is making up his program schedule as he goes along. Yankovic plays a dedicated loser named George Newman, who stumbles into the TV job after his uncle wins the station while playing poker. He fires the station's executives, gives the janitor his own show, and is as surprised as anyone when the station's ratings begin to improve. As movie ideas go, this isn't a bad one, but Yankovic is so happy to have a laugh, any laugh, that he forgets that discipline is a key element in comedy. When anything goes, nothing is funny. The great movie comedies work by establishing the rules in the universes and then testing them. In the case of UHF, for example, Yankovic should have decided if he wanted to string together a series of TV parodies or make a movie about the rescue of a fly-by-night TV station. 
He has decided to do both, and so the movie alternatives uneasily between the storyline, which involves the fate of the station, and a lot of the self-contained parodies that do not share the same reality as the rest of the film. When Stanley the janitor, Michael Richards, first goes on the air, for example, there's kind of a goofy charm about him. He has a strange look and funny teeth, and he seems incapable of telling a lie. And if the character had been developed, something funny might have come of it. But sometimes, Stanley seems to be on the station in the movie, and at other times, he seems to be hosting pirate television from the moon. Yankovic's experience has been with parodies of the work of other artists. They have the inspiration. He finds the puns for their lyrics and sends up the visual look of their videos. His best comic distance is about two minutes. With UHF, he's faced with the challenge of filling an entire movie, and he doesn't seem to realize that he needs characters and personalities as well as one-liners and easy targets. There are a lot of characters in UHF, including Kevin McCarthy as the local TV tycoon, with malice in his heart, and then Victoria Jackson as a dental hygienist who falls in love with the Yankovic character. But none of these characters seem to be newly created for this movie. They're all plugins from other films, stock stereotypes who never surprise us. Yankovic also has a problem with his leading actor, himself. He doesn't have the edge and confidence he needs to carry a movie like this, and his physical presence is undermined by bad posture and an indistinct speaking voice. He needs to practice throwing back his shoulders and strutting. He creates a dispirited vacuum at the center of many scenes. The result is a very unfunny movie. I did not record a single laugh during the running time of the film, and although I admittedly saw the movie at a press screening and not on a Saturday matinee at the multiplex in the mall, I wonder how many laughs there will be when the movie does go public. It's routine, predictable, and dumb. Real dumb. And that's the end of his review. So yes, the movie is very dumb, and that's why I loved it as a kid, and I still love it today. This is definitely not a movie for highbrow movie viewers, and definitely not for the critics of the time. Today, UHF is definitely the epitome of a cult classic. It was a box office bust when it was released to theaters, as I had mentioned, but it really gained some love when it was released on home video, and today, it definitely has a following. As Ebert mentioned, UHF definitely follows the parody template set by Kentucky Fried Movie and Amazon Women on the Moon. But UHF is a tad different as there is a loose plot to the film. But for the most part, there are more, there's more skits and fake TV commercials, which come straight from Kentucky Fried Movie and Amazon Women on the Moon, along with Saturday Night Live. All right, let's get into the main cast. Of course, Weird Al Yankovic. He plays George. So part of the reason that UHF is a cult classic is that this is truly the only movie that Weird Al ever starred in. Every other movie or TV show they appeared in was as himself, making a cameo. Like he did in the original Naked Gun, when Leslie Nielsen's character was thinks the crowd is waiting for him when he gets off a plane in the beginning. But it's really for Weird Al Yankovic. And you came down here to get the hot story, didn't you? Pictures of me to send you a lousy newspaper. Uh, Frank. Sure, you think I'm a big hero, the man of the hour, well... Do any of you understand how a man can hurt inside? Frank, Frank, they're not here for you. Weird Al Yankovic is on the plane. So again, Weird Al is and was best known for being the most prolific song parody artist in history, and he continues to be successful today. So while this film didn't send him to like great heights in the movie industry, it really didn't hurt his brand either, because his album sales continued to flourish throughout the 90s and beyond. Victoria Jackson plays Terry. Jackson started her career in the early 1980s, but her big break 
was as part of the Saturday Night Live cast starting in 1986, which she lasted until 1992. She mostly had bit roles in movies leading up to UHF and films like Baby Boom, which was with Diane Keaton, uh, The Pickup Artist with Robert Downey Jr. and Molly Ringwald, The Couch Trip with Dan Aykroyd and Walter Matthau, and Dream a Little Dream with The Corys. Her only real co-starring role was with Leah Thompson in 1988's Casual Sex. Kevin McCarthy plays R.J. Fletcher. McCarthy was a veteran of Hollywood, starring in movies in the 1950s and is probably still best known for his lead role in the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1956. (laughs) When I finally did see that film, I'm pretty sure I said to my parents, it's the guy from UHF, (laughs) with much to their dismay. Uh, McCarthy was the epitome of a working actor because he continued to appear steadily in TV and film for his entire career up, up until his death in 2010. Michael Richards plays Stanley Spadowski, and today everyone knows Richards as Kramer from Seinfeld. But prior to Seinfeld, he was just a comic actor appearing in a few movie comedies as side characters, like in UHF and later Problem Child. He also started his career on the TV show Fridays from the early 1980s, along with St. Elsewhere as Bill Wolf. The director is Jay Levy, and Levy was actually Weird Al's manager and co-wrote the film. I think he still is his manager. And UHF would be the only movie he would direct. And basically, he was picked to be the main director because he did all the directing for most of Weird Al's most popular music videos, like Eat It and Like a Surgeon, Living with a Hernia, and Fat. After UHF, he would continue to direct and produce videos with Weird Al. All right, let's get a little bit into the making of the movie. So SCTV was a huge influence, along with Monty Python on Weird Al. And Al admits that the plot was really secondary. The main focus of this film was the parodies. And if he had to do it over, he actually agrees with Ebert, he might have spent more time on the plot. So the idea of UHF actually started in 1985, and they were trying to think of a vehicle for Al to star and explore his parodies on film. All right, let's get into the movie. So UHF begins with an Indiana Jones parody, specifically the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark, because Weird Al is playing Indiana Jones. And so just knowing Weird Al is in the film, you know this is going to be a ridiculous film. And the hilarity begins with one of the guys pulling a gun on Al, and he turns around with his bullwhip, and instead of taking the gun, he instead cuts off the guy's arm with a whip. There's another guy turning back from the danger of the cave, and he ends up getting run over by a train. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's that type of movie. So instead of the green idol that Harrison Ford takes from the temple in in Raiders of the Lost Ark, Al is attempting to take an Academy Award statue. (laughs) So he reenacts the scene where Harrison Ford attempts to replace the idol with a bag of sand. But Al, instead, tosses the sand and just takes a statue. Of course, the temple crumbles around him as he tries to escape. Eventually, he is chased throughout the crumbling temple by a giant stone ball, which he is then run over and flattened by. However, all of this is just a daydream as George, that's Weird Al, is grilling burgers at a fast food joint with his buddy Bob, played by David Bow. George is just a dreamer and he keeps getting fired from his remedial jobs because he can't concentrate at work. And a lot of the jokes in UHF are sight gags, so I'll play many clips as possible. A lot of them are simply just not audibly funny, like George explaining why he's not valued for having a terrific imagination, and then he inadvertently squirts mustard all over the customers. No surprise, the guys are fired again from the burger joint. There really are a few great characters in the film, and so one we're introduced early is named Cooney, who is Getty Watanabe, who runs a karate school near George and Bob's apartment. His catchphrase in the film is always, You're so stupid! (laughs) Which my friends and I love to impersonate after seeing this film. How can 
did you do this to me? I knew this was gonna happen. You're right, Bob. I'm sorry. What can I say? I'm a miserable, worthless hunk of slime. Here. I want you to take this crowbar and... Just bash my head right in! Go ahead, really, please! Just, just bash it right in! Hi, George, you know I couldn't do that. You still owe me five bucks. Hey, Cooney! Hiya, George! Beginner's class today, huh? Yeah. They're so stupid! Stupid! If you didn't know already, Getty Watanabe, of course, famously played Long Duck Dong in 16 Candles. He was also one of the main characters in Gung Ho. You've seen him a lot. So Cooney was supposed to be George and Bob's landlord in the original script because they live next door to the karate school, but those scenes were cut out. George's girlfriend is Terry, that's Wanda Jackson, and she loves George, but she's really fed up with his inability to keep a job. However, as luck has it, George's uncle Harvey, played by Stanley Brock, ends up winning a tiny UHF station, Channel 62, in a poker game. And his Aunt Esther, played by Sue Ann Langdon, tells Harvey to let George run it since he's got such a great imagination. Plus, the station is so small, nobody will notice when it flops. So George and Terry visit the station that night, and they meet the station engineer named Philo, played by Anthony Geary. He kind of looks like a mad scientist, along with the kind of the monster movie laboratory. The next day, George and Bob go to the station to meet the station's secretary, Pamela, played by Fran Drescher, who you know from The Nanny. She ends up being the station reporter because she's got the, you know, ideal voice to report news, right? Yeah, so, can I help you? Hi, I'm George Newman. I'm the new station manager. You know, when I first took this job, they told me that this position was only temporary and that eventually, when the time was right, I would be moved up to news, which is really my forte. You know how long I've been working here? Two years! It's kind of hard to get promoted when every other week you have a new boss. This job really sucks. And this is my friend Bob. Hi, nice to meet you. Howdy, friends. It's Crazy Ernie from Crazy Ernie's Used Car Emporium. It's a giant supermarket of cars. i got so many cars, people come up to me and say, Hey, Crazy Ernie, where'd you get all those cars? Looky here. I got red cars. I got green cars. I got enough cars to choke a camel. Tell you what, friends. If nobody comes down and buys a car for me in the next hour, I'm going to club this baby seal. That's right. I'm going to club a seal to make a better deal. No, I'll do it, too. So a package meant for the major network station Channel 8 is delivered to Channel 62 by accident and George decides to visit the Channel 8 office to return the package and introduce himself. The station is run by R.J. Fletcher, played by Kevin McCarthy, and he's the perfect villain and is pretty much the worst human being around in the film. So he ends up firing the janitor because a file is missing. The janitor is Stanley Spadowski, Michael Richards. Stanley's another memorable character from the film. He delivers us this package. It's supposed to go to R.J. Fletcher. Who? R.J. Fletcher. He runs Channel 8. You know, the network affiliate downtown. Oh, well, I guess I'll just have to send it back to him tomorrow. No, that's okay. I'll, I'll take it over myself. It'll be a good chance to meet the competition. You know, George, I'll tell you, I don't really think that's such a good idea. I heard he's not the nicest guy in the world. Oh, come on. He can't be all that bad. You just gotta know how to talk to those guys. You idiot! Can't you do anything I tell you to do? 
Does this look like a number two pencil? No, I just thought that You would... thought? I don't pay you to think. But, Dad... Shut up! Let's get back to the meeting. All right, who's got the research report? I left the report on your desk, sir. I don't see it. When did you put it here? Yesterday, before I left, sir. The janitor. It must have been the janitor. He probably threw it out when he was cleaning up in here. Send in the janitor. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. I will not tolerate this kind of behavior at Channel 8. This is a business, not a home for irresponsible pus brains. Uh, 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 you wanted to see me, sir? That's right. I guess you know why I called you in here. Uh, because you're lonely? No, you moron. <laughs> now, look carefully. Do you see anything missing from this desk? Uh, that stapler? No! Oh. <laughs> now, listen to me. There was a very important file on this desk. A file that represented two months of intensive research. It's my guess that you threw it out. Oh, uh, no, sir. No, um... Were you in here cleaning up last night? Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir, I was. Do you see that file on my desk now? <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I think I've proven my point. You are a worthless human being, Mr. Uh... Uh, Spadowski. Stanley Spadowski. May I call you Stanley? Okay. Stanley. You're fired! But I... I, I didn't... Get out! But I... People are... I can't believe the incompetence in this place. People like that should be put to sleep. Well, what do you know? The research file. Here it is. Been sitting here all the time. <laughs> Ready home, I called. Yes, Mr. Fletcher. Hey, RJ! Hi, George Newman, U62. Say, nice place you got here. You know, I was just thinking, since we're both in the business... Where'd you get this? Do you realize that stealing mail is a federal offense? Hold on, you don't understand. I was... No, you don't understand how serious a crime this is. I think you just better clear out your desk and get out. You're through, mister. But I don't work here. Trespassing, huh? Well, you've got ten seconds to get out before I call the police. Look, I just thought we could maybe... Five, four, three... Gee, look at the time. Well, gotta go. Keep in touch. So as George is running out of Channel 8, he sees Stanley getting his mop taken away from him and feels bad for him and offers him a job at his station. No, no, please. It's all I've got left. Let go. This is station property. No, no, it's my mop. Let's go. Go, you idiot. That's my mop. Not anymore, buddy. Hey, are you all right? It's just not fair. Come on, forget about it. It's only a mop. Only a mop? Only a mop? 
Uh, you don't understand. That mop was given to me for my birthday when I was eight years old. We've never been apart. Now, now I don't even have a job anymore. After 15 years, they just tossed me out like an old bag of moldy tangerines. What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? Well, maybe you could come work for me. Really? You mean it? Sure, I guess we could use a janitor. Stanley Spadowski. George Newman. Oh, I'm mighty glad to meet you, George. Hey, I'm gonna do a really good job. You won't be sorry. I'm really gonna do a good job for you, George. I'm a good janitor. I'm a good... Want me to clean your glasses for you? No, that... Ah, I'll make them real shiny, real shiny. Good work, friends, huh, George? Good work, friends. Pamela is now the official Channel 62 reporter, and her cameraman is Noodles McIntosh, played by Billy Barty, who is a well-known actor for playing like little person-type roles over his career. And of course, having a super short person as the camera operator is one of the charms of being part of the UHF station. So George is trying to get new shows on the station instead of showing reruns of old shows. In one memorable scene, he gets a local high school shop teacher, played by the comedian Emo Phillips, to give a table saw demonstration, which does not go as planned. Hello, and welcome to Town Talk. I'm George Newman, and today our special guest is local high school shop teacher, Joe Early. Joe, thanks for joining us. Thank you, homeboy. Well, I see you've brought some equipment with you today. Would you mind giving us a little demonstration? Not at all. There's only a few simple principles you must bear in mind before attempting to operate a sophisticated piece of machinery like this table saw. Just call me Mr. Butterfingers. Um, I think it's on the, the floor somewhere. Oh, is my face red? <laughs> so the audio clip really doesn't do it, the scene justice, but Emo slices off his thumb and blood is shooting everywhere. <laughs> And then we get to see some of the awesome commercials featured in the film, like Spatula City. Honey, where's the spatula? Okay, kids, let's go. There's just one place to go for all your spatula needs. Spatula City! Spatula City! A giant warehouse of spatulas for every occasion. Thousands to choose from in every shape, size, and color. And because we eliminate the middleman, we can sell all our spatulas factory direct to you. Where do you go when you want to buy name brand spatulas at a fraction of retail cost? Spatula City! Spatula City! And this weekend only, take advantage of our special liquidation sale. Buy nine spatulas, get the tenth one for just one penny. Don't forget, they make great Christmas presents. And what better way to say I love you than with the gift of a spatula? 
Spatula City! Spatula City! Hello, this is Cy Greenbloom, president of Spatula City. I like their spatulas so much, I bought the company. Spatula City, seven locations. We're in the yellow pages under spatulas. My, where did you get that lovely spatula? Spatula City, we sell spatulas. And that's all. Spatula City, Spatula City. Next, George tries to have a children's show called Uncle Nutsy's Clubhouse, which is a take on all those old children programs like Romper Room, Howdy Doody, Sunny Fox, and The Wonder Show. And the kids are less than thrilled with this show. Hey, kids, where do you want to go? That's right! I'm your Uncle Nutsy! And boy, oh boy, are we gonna have some big fun today, huh, kids? <laughs> well, let's walk on over and see who's in our kitty corner! Hi, what's your name? Billy. Billy what? Okay. Uh-oh! You know who that is? That's right! It's your pal! Bobbo the Clown! Yay! Hey, Bobbo, wanna play a game? Okay, look up, look down, now look at Mr. Frying Pan! Uh-oh, Bobbo fall down, go boom! Upsy daisy! Say, Bobbo, what's wrong? Oh, I bet I know. You're hungry, aren't you? Well, I know just what you want. Clowns and kids alike can't resist the mouth-watering, lip-smacking taste of Mrs. Hockenberger's butter cookies. Right, Bobbo? That's right. And hey, Mom, they're nutritious, too. Just look at how much Bobbo here likes them. Mmm, that's good. And don't forget, kids, there's a nifty surprise inside every box of Mrs. Hockenberger's... Uh-oh. <laughs> Bobbo's been eating Yappy's dog treats. That's right, Yappy's dog treats. Your dog will love that real liver and tuna taste with just a hint of cheese. So since Weird Al was involved in the film, it seems only natural to have a song parody. For UHF, it's his version of Money for Nothing from Dire Straits, which is changed to a song about the Beverly Hillbillies. So George is daydreaming as usual, and he comes up with his version of the song, and you get a parody of the music video with all the neon colors and the 80s computer animation. What's cool is Mark Knopfler from the real Dire Straits agreed to let Al use the song as long as he got to play guitar on it, which I think is pretty cool. Shank to be bought around here at any price. <laughs> what good is having $68 million? I ask you! Well, this morning is good for getting a lot of paper signed for Mr. Grazy. He was doing that when I left here two hours ago.
story. A little story about a man named Jed. Good old something, that poor mountaineer. They say he barely kept his family fed. Now let me tell you, one day he was shooting. Old Jed was shooting at some food. When all of a sudden, right up from the ground there, well, it came a bubbling crew. Well, that is, well, maybe you call it black gold, the Texas tea. So George is too wrapped up with how poorly the station is doing and forgets about Terry's birthday dinner with her parents and she gets pissed at him and dumps him. So the station is going under and he's lost Terry, which leads to a very depressed Uncle Nutsy show. Hey kids, where do you want to go? That's right, to Uncle Nutsy's clubhouse. And boy, oh boy, are we going to have big fun today. We're going to have so much fun. We'll forget about how miserable we are and how much life sucks. And how we're all going to grow old and die someday. I want to go home. Shut up, you little weasel. Okay. Right now, I'd like to show you one of my favorite cartoons. It's a sad, depressing story about a pathetic coyote who spends every waking moment of his life in the futile pursuit of a sadistic roadrunner who mocks him and laughs at him as he's repeatedly crushed and maimed. Hope you enjoy it! So George and Bob head to a bar to drink their troubles away, and they and George basically lets Stanley take over the Uncle Nutsy show because who cares, right? And then a miracle happens. Look, everybody, he's coming back off. Hey, welcome back to Stanley Spadowski's Clubhouse. Hey, are you kids having a good time? Yeah! Hey, how about that cartoon? That was a weird cartoon, wasn't it? You know, that cartoon, it reminds me of a dream I had last week. I turned into a bird with a candy bar head. And then there was these other birds, you know, they're all trying to eat my head and everything. But I got away from them. And then, then there was this tree, you know, and there was this weird lizard, you know. What the? Whoa! 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 
I want to show you something. I want to. I want to show you something. This is my new mop. George, my friend, he gave me this mop. It's a pretty good mop. It's not as good as my first mop. I miss my first mop. But this is still a good mop. Sometimes you just have to take what life gives you. Because life is like a mop. And sometimes life gets full of dirt and crud and bugs and hairballs and stuff. You, you, you've got to clean it out. You, 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 you've got to put it in here and rinse it off and start all over again. And, and sometimes... Sometimes life sticks to the floor so bad, you know, a mop, a mop, it's not good enough, it's not good enough. You, you gotta get down there like with a toothbrush, you know, and you gotta, you gotta really scrub, you gotta, you gotta get it off, you gotta really try to get it off. But if that doesn't work, that doesn't work, you can't give up. You gotta, you gotta stand right up, you, you gotta run to a window and say, hey, these floors are dirty as hell, and I'm not gonna take it anymore. The new Stanley Spadowski show takes off like crazy and viewers start flooding the station with calls about about how much they love the show. He's going to be on every day and still keep his job as the janitor. (laughs) The sponsors love Stanley's show and they have sold out three months of advertising for that particular show. So to capitalize on the success of the Stanley Spadowski show, the guys need more fresh and crazy content. Like Cooney hosting Wheel of Fish. These lucky contestants will win his or her weight in fish right here on Wheel of Fish. Okay, let's play the game. We start with yesterday's winner, Miss Phyllis Weaver. Are you ready, Weaver? I sure am, Cooney. Okay, you'll get over there and spin the Wheel of Fish. Red snapper. Mmm, very tasty. Okay, Weaver. Listen carefully. You can hold on to your red snapper, or you can go for what's in the box that Hiro-san is bringing down the aisle right now. What's it gonna be? Oh man, that Wheel of Fish was quoted more than anything. <laughs> Hello, Weaver. Nothing. Stupid. You're so stupid. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I still do. So originally the fish in the script was a swordfish, but when the crew went to go get the swordfish at the local market in Tulsa, Oklahoma, they didn't have it, but they did have Red Snapper, which of course is very tasty. <laughs> Thus, Red Snapper. But also on the set... The smell started to get very gamey because they had hot lights from the the movie and the lack of great ventilation didn't help matters on the set. And then we get Raul's Wild Kingdom. Hey man, this is Raul 
Hernandez and welcome to Raul's Wild Kingdom, coming to you live from my apartment about that, huh? Okay, first thing we're gonna do today is check out the wonderful world of turtles. This is my friend, Tommy. Tommy, say hello to the nice people. Hello. Ha, isn't he great, huh? Okay, so the turtle is a member of the reptile family and it's got this hard protective shell, which keeps predators away, also provides him with his own home when he sleeps. Oh, and he's got these tiny, teeny little legs, which makes him move real slow. Oh, and not too many people know this, but the turtle is also nature's suction cup. Watch this. Do you see that? It sticks, huh? Okay, oh yeah, what else I got for you? Yeah, check this out. This is my ant farm. Your ants are amazing. They can carry 50 times their own weight, and they work for weeks and weeks building these intricate little tunnels. Hello, yeah. They hate it when you do this. Oh, look! They're really mad now. Where did you find this guy? Me? I thought you hired him. For those of you just joining us, today we're teaching poodles how to fly. Come here. Come here, Fufi. Ah, Fufi. Are you psyched? Are you ready? Okay. Here we go. Get ready and fly! Oh, man. You know, sometimes it takes him a little longer to learn how to do it right. Okay, come on. Come on, come on. Sit up, sit up. Hey, hey, hey. Who's next? Ah, Gigi. Oh, man. Sadly, Trinidad Silva, who plays Raul, was killed during the filming of the movie, and two scenes were cut out uh, due to his death uh, because he was hit by a drunk driver. One of the cut scenes had the poodles getting their revenge on Raul, and the other was him delivering a package to Channel 8. In the meantime, George is trying to get Terry back like only he can. Hi, this is Terry. I'm not home right now, so leave a message, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Terry! I'm sorry! Come on, give me one more chance, please! Come on, Terry! Terry! Oh! Oh! I'm in hell! I'm in hell! Terry! Terry, pick up the phone! Pick up the phone! Pick up the phone! Oh! Oh, Terry! Oh, So Channel 62 is starting to get some ratings buzz, even though Channel 8 doesn't seem to care. But what they don't have is Stanley Spadowski. You just found the marble in the oatmeal. You're a lucky, lucky, lucky little boy, because you know why? You get to drink from the fire hose! Yeah! Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Raul Hernandez? Yeah. Got the delivery here for your next show? Oh, great. What you got? Well, let's see. I got one aardvark, one flamingo, four porcupines, two armadillas, three badgers. Badgers? Badgers? We don't need no stinking badgers! And then we get another terrific commercial for Conan the Librarian. Never before in the history of motion pictures has there been a screen presence so commanding, so powerful, so deadly. He's Conan the Librarian. Can you tell me where I can find a book on astronomy? Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? Conan the Librarian. I'm sorry. These books are a little overdue. <laughs> Conan the Librarian. Tonight, only on News 62. So some of the titles on the program board that we never actually see commercials for, these are great. Traffic Court, My Three Mutants, Eye on Toxic Waste, Dog Racing from Rio de Janeiro, Wide World of Tractor Pulls, Beat the Lone Shark, The Lice is Right, Buddha Knows Best, you bet your pink slip. Leave it to big. <laughs> Leave it to Bigfoot. Wonderful world of phlegm. Name that stain. The young and the dyslexic. That's disgusting. The flying pope. Bestiality today. <laughs> Druids on parade. Volcano worshippers hour. Underwater bingo for teens. And fun with dirt. There's lots of fun coming your way this weekend on U62. First, slam your way to health as you stay fit with Mike and Spike. Next, everybody's favorite, Chef Bernie invites you to go bowling for burgers. Sunday, be a part of the excitement as we premiere our dazzling new game show, Strip Solitaire. And then, join us for some hilarious fun on the all-new Practical Jokes and Bloopers. And you won't want to miss Celebrity Mud Wrestling with this week's special guest, Mikhail Gorbachev. It's a whole new weekend on U62, the reason television was invented. Be there! <laughs> so Bob gets the ratings, and they are the number one station in town. They beat the networks. Now, R.J. Fletcher is pissed. This is indeed a sad day for Channel 8. We've been number one in this town for the past 10 years, and now our sponsors are pulling their accounts. We're losing valuable advertising revenue. We're losing credibility in the market. And why? Because of some fly-by-night UHF station! A UHF station! This is an embarrassment, a disgrace! What do you think R.J. Fletcher Sr. would be saying if he were alive today? Help, let me out of this box. I can't breathe in here. Help, let me out. We've got to do something. We've got to do it fast. Who owns that station anyway? Let me be your hog! Let me be your hog now! Can I help you? 
No, thanks. Just taking a few measurements. Wait a minute. I think I missed something here. Oh, didn't I tell you? I own this place now. You what? What's the matter, kid? You got wax in your ears. But my Uncle Harvey... Harvey Bilchick is flying in tonight to close the deal. I don't believe this. Pull this, kid. George, do something. Hey, well, wait, wait a minute. Don't you already own Channel 8? I mean, isn't it illegal to own two television stations in the same town? Oh, really? Gee, I guess I'll have to turn this place into a parking lot. <laughs> Yep, Uncle Howard giveth and now taketh away. Basically, the guys need $75,000 to pay off Uncle Harvey's gambling debts and keep the station instead of selling out to R.J. Fletcher. And they need to do it in two days. We then get a great parody of the old Geraldo Rivera show, including him getting the, <laughs> including getting hit in the face by a chair and busting his nose, which actually happened on his show. George Newman. He starts where the others stop. Sex with furniture. What do you think? The world watched in amazement as he unlocked the mysteries of Al Capone's glove compartment. Uh-huh. Roadmaps! He blew the lid off oh, Satanism. Uh, look, all I was trying to say... Oh, was... shut up, you pinhead! You make me sick! Sometimes shocking, always controversial, he deals with topics that the other talk shows are afraid to touch. He pries, he pokes, he digs deep. He gets the answers, he gets the facts, and most of all, he gets the ratings. Lesbian Nazi hookers abducted by UFOs and forced into weight loss programs. All this week on Town Talk. So the rest of the movie involves the station telethon trying to raise enough money by selling shares in the station. In the meantime, Stanley gets kidnapped by the Channel 8 goons. However, we do get another priceless movie commercial during the telethon. Next week on U62. He's back. And this time, he's mad. Gandhi 2. No more Mr. Passive Resistance. He's out to kick some butt. This is one bad mother you don't want to mess with. Don't move, slime ball. He's a one-man wrecking crew. But he also knows how to party. Give me a stick, medium rare. There is only one law. Kids' law. Gandhi 2. Director Jay Levy actually plays Gandhi. And so when I was in eighth grade, again, I loved UHF. And so what we had to create comic strips in my art class. And this art class was pretty, you know, free-wielding. You could do whatever you want. So I kind of took what I remember from the Gandhi parody and created my own comic strip based pretty much on the same thing called Gandhi the Revenge, where you basically go out and try to uh, hunt down Nazis. It was almost like Hunters <laughs> today, you know, like it was on Amazon Prime. I think I still have it anyway. So the teacher, I, I didn't, I probably, I thought I was going to get in trouble, but as he, he returned it back to me and I got, we weren't getting grades. I think it was either like plus, minus, or a check mark. And I got a plus and all he said was, 
warped and wonderful. So there you go. I think they'll put that on my tombstone. Anyway, back to the movie. Everything turns out okay because, of course it does. It's UHF. It's a silly comedy. And you even get an over-the-top Rambo parody. But they also ruin R.J. Fletcher by getting on tape how he really feels about the people of the city. And now, a special report from the owner and general manager of Channel 8, R.J. Fletcher. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I come before you tonight to speak on a matter which is of grave concern to us all. I want to show you how one small television station can single-handedly disrupt and destroy the moral fiber of an entire community. The following may upset you, it may even shock you. But I feel it is my duty as a concerned citizen to bring you this important message. This community means about as much to me as a festering bowl of dog snot. You think I care about the pea-brained yokels of this town? If you took their combined IQ and multiplied it by 100, you might have enough intelligence to tie your shoe. If you didn't drool all over yourself first. I can't stand those sniveling maggots. They make me want to puke. But there is one good thing about broadcasting to a town full of mindless sheep. I always know I've got them exactly where I want them. (laughs) So look, the movie is ridiculous fun. I loved it as a kid, and for the most part, the gags still hold up for me. So turn off your brain and enjoy UHF. All right, there were some deleted scenes. There was a love scene where instead of making out with Terry, George gives a raspberry on her neck and tickles her before they fall over a chair. There's one where Stanley puts his hand into the meat grinder and then Stanley sprays whipped cream into the crowd. Another scene is they find the thumb that Emo Phillips cut off and then he does a drill press tutorial. (laughs) They had the news on Channel 62 where the news anchor had a tough time actually reading the teleprompter as the cameraman eats and burps. They had the scene where R.J. Fletcher, uh, he rehearses before his big announcement. And then during the Wheel of Fish scene, they had it where the entire crowd calls Weaver stupid after she, she picks the box. <laughs> that would have been cool. All right, lots of fun facts. So Burger World from Beavis and Butthead was actually an homage to Big Edna's Burger World in UHF. And Mike Judge was a big fan of the movie. Vance Kolvig, who plays the homeless guy, he actually vo- voiced Goofy and Pluto in the original Disney cartoons. And actually, famous drummer Ginger Baker, who of course was in Cream and and Blind Faith and many other bands, he actually read for the part of the bum. Crispin Glover was going to be in the movie, but he only wanted to play Crazy Ernie, so they couldn't use him. Kevin McCarthy had a terrific time on set and was completely the opposite in real life than his R.J. Fletcher character. Michael Richards was very leery about being in the film, but then he kind of warmed to it. He was also the one who brought in the fake teeth during his audition, which of course ended up in the film. So the reason the film got a PG-13 rating was all because of the cut-off thumb and then the poodle-throwing scenes. Uncle Nutsy actually came from a Mad Magazine article, and George Newman was a nod to Alfred E. Newman. During the Uncle Nutsy scene where Al hits David Bow in the, in the face with the frying pan, he actually busted David Bow's lip. There was a Flintstone parody that was in the script, but it wasn't used. So you might wonder what UHF stands for. It means ultra-high frequency. Jim J. Bullock was actually supposed to be R.J. Fletcher's son. 
Ellen DeGeneres actually came in to read for Terry. Other people that auditioned for the film were David Spade, John Astin, Paul Gleason, Michael J. Pollard, Jennifer Tilly, G.W. Bailey, Rick Rosevich, and Colin Camp. There were a few characters that were cut out. There was one uh, being a guy that always hits on Terry at a bowling alley. Uh, Noodles McIntosh was going to have a dominatrix girlfriend. And then Uncle Harvey was going to have an accountant. All right, we have two really big Weird Al fans and fans of UHF. That is Eric Sinzak, who we always love having. And then Joseph Staub, who we also love having. For once, he's not going to do a classic movie. For some, this might be a classic movie. So there you go. Anyway, I will be back next week for yet another random movie from my DVD collection. All right, we're back with Eric Sinzak. Welcome back, Eric. Thanks, Brian. Glad to be back on. Absolutely. And uh, we're going to talk about, uh, I found out you're a huge Weird Al Yankovic fan, so this could be a lot of fun to talk about. <laughs> yes, I'm a big Weird Al fan. In fact, um, my one of my the first vinyl I ever bought was in 3D Weird Al. Really? Yeah, really? That's right. Yep. So you're and old that, school. Michael Jackson Thriller. I bought those two the same day. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So before we get into the film, what are your, give me your top five favorite Weird Al songs. Oh, okay. Well, uh, Eat It, of course. Okay, uh, had, of course. Uh, yeah, I got to go back to that. Uh, let's see. Uh, another One Rides a Bus. Uh, <laughs> that one's great. Um, yep. Uh, let's. Oh God, there's some deep cuts that you can really pull out there. Let's see. Uh, white and nerdy. I love white and nerdy. Sure. Uh, let's see. Fat was always pretty good. I love fat. But yep. oh gosh, uh, man. Uh, I know. I put you on the spot. Yeah, you did, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> let's see. Oh, uh, King of King of Suede the, from uh, the original. Uh, I always, I always love that one. That was from uh, in 3D. That was, oh, uh, wow. uh, yeah, because it's the it's the playoff, the police, King of Pain. Yeah. So that was that was the the cover of that one there. And also from uh, from the Nature Trail to Hell. That was always <laughs> cracked me up too because I always thought that was so funny. It was you know, it was just sort of like the off of the the joke about the the old slasher films. It was like. You know, it was a sort of a, a funny parody of slasher flicks from the 80s. So it was Weird Al's funny song about that. But you know, I always thought those were pretty good songs. But there's a ton. He's got so many songs. Oh, that are so, so fun I, can you th- there has been no other type of parody singer that has lasted. I mean, literally a 40 year old you know career. I mean, it's amazing how he stayed relevant. Yeah, uh, just he, he can come up with anything and. Just he he's so and what what I love is he he always says people send me so much stuff he <laughs> said people send me songs I don't want your songs it's great I love your stuff it's so cool but I'll do my own stuff he's like right. he always just tells people all the time he's like don't send me anything but you know <laughs> you know I'm a big Star Wars fan mm-hmm. and when the saga begins came out you know he did the parody of the Star Wars stuff he, sure. you know that came out and everybody for years had wanted him to do something with Star Wars. <laughs> So so now when that came out, of course everybody went ballistic over over that. And so now, like when we go to Star Wars conventions and everything like that, they actually play. <laughs> they have a video somewhere of of Weird Al playing. You know, the saga begins up somewhere, and, and everybody, every nerd I know, every Star Wars nerd I know can can like sing the whole song. It knows every word to it by heart. So oh sure. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's definitely my top five, by the way. So. <laughs> well, you, yeah, he, what I was going to say is he really doesn't get enough credit about how talented a musician he is. I mean, to come up with this stuff is not easy. No, and I think that's the thing. People 
and you know, I think artists out there now, the artists that he parodies, they know that they know mm-hmm. he's super talented and stuff like that. And I think people, uh, you know, the general public, they think eh, he's a parody artist, you know, they kind of discount it, but right. the musicians that he's parodying when they hear it, they're like, wow, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of process into this. There's a lot of musical talent there backed up into that, you know, and he's very talented. He plays a lot of instruments. And of course his band is very talented. Oh yeah. I mean, they're Schwartz and all those guys that are just, they're, they're so they've, they've been with him for years and they know all of his work and they, they, they keep, they keep up with him and he's just always working. He's just doing so much stuff all the time. So mm-hmm. He's just a. If you just get into his whole catalog, he's just great to follow. Just everything all the way through and all he's done. Oh, absolutely, yeah, definitely. He's not like a, a one decade type of guy. This is something where you know it doesn't matter what era you get into him. It's all worthwhile stuff to check out. Yeah, I mean, starting back from Doctor Demento when he got mm-hmm. started, and you know he started on you know Doctor Demento's radio show, and and he. Uh, he was just doing little bits on there, but mm-hmm. I don't think he ever really thought he would ever spin into a career, uh, you know, playing the accordion coming from right. <laughs> parents buying him an accordion just to, you know, and, and he was, you know, really good with, with that. And his parents really enjoyed, you know, having him learn that learning an instrument. And of course it took off and playing other stuff, but, um, that was, you, you know, the big thing about him learning music and, and going off of that his parents were very supportive mm-hmm. uh when a lot of parents probably wouldn't be when when you find out your son's going to be doing you know all these parodies you know, or right. you know doing all these these strange songs and you're going to be on but he's he you know he was creative he's a creative guy and his parents were very supportive of him and i think most people who are successful they have to have a supportive base of people behind them so he had that fortunately he did so absolutely because you think back like way back when like the song parodies you had like alan sherman and of course dr domeno and like really there weren't that many um and and weird al i think is probably the top selling of any of the parody uh artists yeah absolutely by far he's outstrips all of them yeah right Right. And so we go into UHF. And so, you know, at this point, it's 1989, I believe. And, you know, he's kind of at its, I wouldn't say peak, but he's he's definitely uh, riding high from his his uh, musical work. And so I think they thought this was going to be kind of a maybe not a huge film, but do a lot better than what it, it did. And now it's, you know, a cult classic and, and Weird Al fans, of course, love it. Um, but it did not do well at the box office. Did you see it in the theater or did you catch it on? Was it a rental or a cable type of movie for you? No, I saw it in the theater. Uh, I went with a friend, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> me and my friend Brock, who were huge Weird Al fans. And uh, <laughs> we, we went to the theater and saw it. And uh, we, yeah, we really wanted to see this movie. And uh, we went and saw it. Um, if I remember correctly, I think that's who I went with. But, um, yeah, we were really excited about it and we weren't let down, but mm-hmm. it was sort of like, like, well, it wasn't as big as we thought it would be, but it was still, you know, I think when we we're kids, we we're like thinking, you know, that's pretty cool. You know, we, we laughed of course at everything, but you know, it, it was just, <laughs> it was pretty impressive. And I thought it was, I, we were, we laughed at the whole thing and we were, of course, we were like quoting it all and the whole time. Sure. We, were and we, we just, it, it was, we thought it was hilarious. Of course, we thought it was the funniest thing we'd ever seen, but it, <laughs> <laughs> you know, hindsight's 2020 is like looking years back. I'm like, that wasn't that great, but you know, it was still, it was, it was it's still just, uh, enjoyable to watch. I, I watched it not that long ago and I, st- I still laugh at it. So it's still a funny movie to me. 
Well, yeah, that's. I think it bears repeat viewing because there's a lot of little things in in the movie that really, especially as a kid, used to crack me up. And then looking back now, and I watch it, and I'm like, I should be laughing at this, but I am. You know, like it just, <laughs> it, he still pulls it off. You know, like even if it's something as simple as like the the little board that they were, you know, trying to do the whole TV schedule on, and there's like little, um, you know, the all the different shows are on there, and so I like I've you know paused it just so I can read those and everything, and it's really really well done. There's some real uh, minute details in there that I don't think they get enough credit for. Yeah, and I think they never counted on stuff like people would do that sure but, you know it, it does have you, you do you can't do that you can't stop and and stare at stuff on there like how the hell did they think about this it's like oh wow that's all on there all these little tiny things and of course there's stuff in the background you can look at especially like in the audience and and the scenes mm-hmm. where stanley's you know there's all the scenes where stanley's you know stanley spadowski's you know it, it, the background is incredible you know it, he, just the whole show is great. You know, all of that's really cool. The, just to watch the, to watch all of that is, is neat, especially the scene, um, you know, when they first get to the TV station, mm-hmm. just the way they did the whole set. Uh, now I'm a set guy. I look right. at sets and I, I love the way they build stuff out and practical sets to me are just really awesome. Especially when they, they came into the TV station and, and they had the whole set lit the way they did, you know, and I thought, <laughs> I thought, man, that's really awesome. The way they did that, the practical build out on stuff in the, in the movie was pretty impressive to me for, especially being the budget that they had for the film. Yeah. I thought that was really neat. I liked the way they did it. Yeah. Philo studio is really cool. Cause it's kind of like that classic sci-fi look and everything. Yeah. And it, with the Tesla coils type things, and right. set up thing and the old you know electrical you know stuff set up philo had a really neat look to him and he played that character perfectly he was just sort of that you know real withdrawn kind of quiet you know he just, right. he, <laughs> i love the way he played it you know it's, it works really wonderful well let's let's get into the cast then because there, there's some real fun like scenes here everyone from like emo phillips you know playing the the woodshop guy and then of course the gag where he cuts off his, his thumb and bleeds all over the place <laughs> From, you know, uh, oh, God, like Billy Barty is on there as like a cameraman. I mean, so what, what are your some of your favorite scenes and, and actors in this? Well, I have to, I, you know, of course, when he does the parody movies, um, yes. you know, Gandhi 2. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Especially as a kid. <laughs> Give me a steak, medium rare. <laughs> right. <you know? laughs> he's back and he's going to kick some ass. You know, so. Yeah. The, the commercial, you know, when they do that and and uh, special city. You know, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we sell spatulas and that's all, you know, yeah. that, <laughs> the little yeah, I like when, yeah, the jingle, um, Victoria Jackson played a really great character. I thought, you know, she added some nice little, uh, you, you know, she, throughout the whole s- series, she kept bringing, sort of grounding it back and through the, through the whole show, she kept grounding him. And I thought that it was really n- nice to have her there but it was to me it was a bit of a distraction you know being but i i like i like the parts with victoria jackson in it and i thought that was it was she was really nice but you know if you just did a whole movie almost like the zuckers did of yeah. just just those little clips i would have been just perfectly happy watching that you know because <laughs> it was it's almost like you know if you did something like you know they did with amazon women on the moon or exactly. you know exactly you know, like Kentucky Fried movie of just nothing yeah. but the little movie things. I don't know. I could have sat there and watched that for two hours. 
And but, I think initially that's probably where they were going with it, but I think they didn't want to feel like they were just going to, you know, retread those two movies because um, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Amazon women uh, from, you know, on the move because a lot of people haven't seen that. And that's great. Especially if you love Kentucky fried movie and airplane and stuff like that. Uh huh. I do. And I'm huge fans of those films. And mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I, I sat there at night first the first time I watched Kentucky Fried movie I, I had to stop it because <laughs> I was laughing so hard I couldn't physically I was laughing so hard I was hurting it was it was that <laughs> funny to me well, I think a lot of people they, they have of course seen Airplane they've seen Naked Gun but then they forget about Kentucky Fried movie and that's really the one that started them all yeah it it was the very beginning of all of it and it was the Zuckers got their start there. And actually it's Kentucky Fried movies pretty raunchy. Oh, it's very <laughs> raunchy and definitely risque. Like some of the stuff they do, like, like the, the daredevil guy and things like that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, and, and I don't know if you knew this, but airplane was actually cu- supposed to be kind of be like a, a sequel to Kentucky Fried movie. They were going to do, you know, like a fistful of yen, but they wanted to do the airplane version where it'd only be like 20 minutes. And then they do commercials around that one too. And then oh, they just okay. Yeah, okay. and they decided, no, 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 let's just do a full-length film. So, But the studios originally wanted a sequel to Kentucky Fried Movie. Well, that I, I, I didn't know that. That makes a lot more sense to me. That's, that's pretty impressive. I had no idea about that. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, but I, I do enjoy it. In fact, I went so far as I, I had to track down a movie house in Ohio that's that had DVD copies of Kentucky Fried Movie. And oh, really? And I ordered one, and then they promptly went out of business. Like <laughs> three months later, I was like, I want to order another copy. It. Yeah, I got it. And then like they they went out of business. So uh, I have a copy. I do have a copy. <laughs> I, I do have a copy of Kentucky Fried Movie on Blu-ray. So that's good. Okay. Well, you got it. So good. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone should see that that movie. That That's that's terrific. And especially if you like UHF. It's, it's a natural fit. Yeah, it's a great movie. Going back to UHF, so what are your, some of your other your, your favorite scenes? And you saw it. You said you saw it a couple, maybe a couple months ago. What, does it still hold up for you? And what what are your what are your favorite scenes now? You know, I I still enjoy it. Uh, I don't I I don't enjoy it nearly as much as I did years ago. Back when I was younger, I mm-hmm. I probably it, it actually kind of wears on me a little bit watching it because it's really? like. Yeah, I, I I liked it more when I was younger. But now it's like I I just prefer seeing just the the funny stuff, you know, the gag stuff, as but opposed to the plot. The plot. Yeah, <laughs> plot. What I mean, plot? You know. <laughs> yeah, the, there's no plot. The plot is exhausting. You know, when they try to do the serious stuff, I'm kind of like, yeah, I just get tired of it. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, the whole thing with the movie and his or the 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 movie, the TV studio and his uncle. And, you know, which, which is fun. It's okay. But I just get, I get a little tired of it. And I just was, you know, I, I, I watched it for, I watched, I watched the film. I had it on and I, I, truth be told, I was, I was working on stuff and, and I don't know if everyone knows this, but, um, Brian knows this. I, I work on a, I'm an art director for a film company here. Mm -hmm. So I had it on while I'm working in my, in my uh, workshop here in my studio. And, uh, so my, my, attention was distracted i'm sorry folks i was not completely paying attention to weird Al. um yeah so uh but i was a little distracted from my rewatch of it but uh mm-hmm. yeah so I, I was mostly paying attention to when you know gandhi or rambo would come up and that, that was really where <laughs> I was oh, or conan the librarian you know conan the librarian yes that was <laughs> <laughs> oh man 
those are the ones that are the highlights for me in the film. Those are the ones I enjoy the most, you know, and when, when Al's doing Al stuff and it's not, you know, to me, uh, you know, Al's not Lawrence Olivier. He's not, uh, you know, no, <laughs> I did love like, you know, okay. Of course the, the parody of, um, Money for Nothing is terrific, and they actually got oh, Mark Offler to play guitar on it. And, uh, you know, like the little uh, Let Me Be Your Hog, where it's kind of like that that heavy metal version while his uncle's in the pool. Like, that's great, you know? And it's only like 30 seconds long. Let me be your hog! Uh, the, yeah, those little clips where he, he sort of segues into other stuff. Mm-hmm. Nice. Those are nice little breaks. And then it goes into other stuff and you're kind of like, I'm zoned out. But yeah, you bring up a good point. I think if anything doesn't hold up well, it's it's basically the movie part of it. You know, the traditional movie part of it. Right. Yeah. I, I hate to say that. And I love almost everything Al does. And it's like, but that's the part of it that I don't like. It's like, I love the film, but. That it's like you if you honestly if he did the full movie mm-hmm. the Zucker fashion where it was like it was just clips of him doing stuff. I don't know. I probably like now being being who I am now, I would have enjoyed it now. But back then in my, you know, 12, 13 year old age, I was like watching the whole thing just ra- wrapped and enjoying every little minute of the of the story and just was like, oh, this is so cool. Nowadays, I'm just like, I don't care, <laughs> I don't care about that stuff. I just want to see. Give me the funny. Give me the funny. Come on. Well, you bring yeah. up a great point because if you anybody I talk to that's seen this movie, they remember those fun scenes. They don't remember anything about, you know, the, the actual plot or the Victoria Jackson scenes or anything like that. Even Fran Drescher's in it. They might remember, of course, Stanley Spadowski and Michael Richards. But yeah, you're right. They they it's the skits that they remember. Right. It's true. And, you know, I love it when Stanley turns on the fire hose and knocks yes. the kid. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you want the fire hose? Yeah. <laughs> and Michael Richards was great in that role. I mean, he really was. He was oh, funny. He's perfect. He's absolutely yeah. perfect. He was in a lot yeah. of those, like, because he was also in um, Problem Child, where he played the bow tie killer, um, yeah. you know, stuff like that. All precursors to, to Seinfeld. All he did with this is he just basically was Kramer turned up to 11. And oh yeah. He was like, you know, he was just jumping around like a maniac with Kramer turned up to 11 as with teeth sticking out is all it was. So that it, and, it, and his yeah. mom. Yeah. <laughs> his mom. Oh, my mom, my mom. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I'd be remiss if I also didn't bring up a great actor, great classic actor, dude. Kevin McCarthy plays a great bad guy in this. Yes. I was about to actually, yeah, you mentioned him and I was, I was going to say Kevin McCarthy was a very good bad guy in this. And I, I really, he can play a bad guy in almost anything. Cause I, he, I would always like to see him get angry. I don't know what it is about Kevin McCarthy getting angry, <laughs> but he's enjoyable to watch when he gets pissed off and his face gets red. And he's like, ah, you know, <laughs> I don't know why he can do that, but he's, <laughs> he just does. He's I've never seen him play a good guy in any movie. Have you ever seen him play a good guy? I guess he's somewhat of a good guy in the original invasion of the body snatchers, but you know, it's, it's a horror movie or a sci-fi movie. So well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess he is, but in so many roles though, he's always this devious dude. That's totally. always up to no good. And yeah, I guess he's, he's yeah, a he really nice guy. guy. They were saying, and, and yeah. uh, he loved doing this movie. Uh, Al was saying, Oh, well that's good. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So, well, as always, this has been great. And uh, so you would recommend this, but you would mostly recommend the, the skit part of it, the plot, and eh, not so much. Yeah, if you've never seen it, I have to say, pay attention, enjoy the enjoy the plot. It, it is good. I mean, I I I like the. You know, especially if you're a younger person, you know, in your 20s and you really want to go back, have a little nice little throwback to fun 80s comedy, you know, stuff of the Zucker 80s, you know, era, the Naked Gun era, because this does have an, a nice little punch to that. Mm-hmm. And I had a gr- I had a great time watching it the first time I had it. You know, I had a good time watching the remembering all the skits and the, and the fun stuff. It has a lot of good comedic value. It holds up well in that respect. To the comedic value. So, yeah, I recommend a rewatch on the or a rewatch if you've seen it before. And I recommend mm-hmm. a watch if you haven't seen it. And if you're into the if you're in those type of skit movies, we definitely recommend Kentucky Fried Movie and uh, Amazon Women on the Moon. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's a rabbit hole that you will fall down and you probably never want to get out of because it's funny as hell. So Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Eric. Thanks, Brian. All right. We're back with Joseph Staub. Welcome back, Joseph. Well, thanks for having me, Brian. It's great to be back. Absolutely. And and we're going to do something a little bit different uh, than what we normally do. You and I usually do the classic films from like the 30s and the 40s. We're going to do a, a cult classic, and that is uh, UHF with Weird Al Yankovic from 1989. So I, I have to obviously you're a big Weird Al fan. I am, yes. I've uh, Ever since I was a very small kid, I was around his music all the time. My dad listened to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I one time I was at, I don't remember where I got the DVD from originally, but I was at some kind of store and I saw the DVD there and I had no clue what it was. I mean, I knew the song UHF because I think I had one of Weird Al's greatest hits albums and it was on there, mm-hmm. but I had never, I didn't know it was a movie. So I saw this DVD. I, it was like $3. So I bought the DVD and I just fell in love with this movie. Yeah, it really, I mean, it's funny. It didn't do well at all, but no. I remember loving it as a kid too. Like, and I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it on VHS and I couldn't get enough of it. It was just, it totally cracked me up. Mm-hmm. So going back to, you know, Weird Al and, and everything. So what are your, what are your top five favorite Weird Al songs? Oh, that's tough. Oh, <laughs> um, I mean, not only some of his parodies, I like some of his original songs too. That sure. Are, uh, uh, stuff like Dare to be Stupid or stuff that would like parody the style of an artist more than a particular song. So like uh, one of his lesser known songs from right, I think 2003 it came out. It was a stylistic parody of Frank Zappa mm. and called Genius in France. And I think oh. that's it's and uh, Dweezil actually plays guitar on it. Nice. Um, and it's a it sounds just like Frank Zappa. And it's hilarious. It's it's great. Um, so that's definitely one of my favorites. But uh, I always loved. Um, uh, Ricky, the parody of Mickey by Tony Basil about sure. I Love Lucy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Love Rocky Road is another one of my favorites. <laughs> um, but yeah, just a lot of his music. And then even some of the later ones that we, when he became really popular again in like the 90s and 2000s was like Amish Paradise and White yeah. and Nerdy. I, I love all of his eras. I mean, I think he just, he's so in touch culturally with what is popular and still manages to be hilarious in almost everything he does, even up till his last album was great. I know because you'd think he, you know, this is to do parody, especially song parodies. I mean, usually mm-hmm. they don't last long. And really, I mean, I can't think of another uh, musician that's, a, you know, predominantly parodies that has had, you know, almost a 40 year career. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he really doesn't get enough credit for his musicianship. Yeah, especially that that band. It's been the same band since the beginning. To be able to play all those songs and sound that good, just to be able to 
to have a band that can play such a wide variety of styles and sound so good doing it, mm-hmm. it's just like everyone, no one really uh, gives him credit for being able to have such good musicians behind him. That's right. Have you seen him live? I have not. I, that's definitely someone I w- really want to see live sometime, though. Yeah, that should be a, that's a bucket list type thing. Okay, let's get into the film. All right, so you you saw it. What what immediately stood out for you uh, for the for you? I mean, the first the first thing that really stood out to me was kind of like the the little sketches throughout, right? Movie, which I mean, as I like as I come to get older, stuff that like it even was always like a parody of something like Kentucky Fried Movie, exactly. That was like the decade before and was even more vulgar than this. But I mean, it's basically as his music was parodying sort of popular artists at the time. This is almost parodying something like Kentucky Fried Movie, and I think that those were the first things that really stuck stuck out to me was the stuff like Wheel of Fish or yes. <laughs> uh, like the Spatula commercial, spa, uh, Spatula City or whatever it was, and. Uh-huh. Um, just all the little, and then all of his sort of daydreams, like the Rambo at near the end, and mm-hmm. just the sort of the little mini sketches throughout was really what stood out to me the first time I saw the movie. Yeah, and of course the I think the most famous thing would probably be the Dire Straits parody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and that, and he actually got Mark Knopfler on it, which is crazy. He did yeah, <laughs> which it just goes to show how uh, how relevant he is in especially in in music. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you ever see Amazon Women on the Moon? No, I did not. Okay, check that out. If you like Kentucky Fried Movie and, of course, UHF, then you, you should like that, too, because it's basically straight-up parodies and, and things like that. Cool. I'll totally check that one out, too. Yeah. So, uh, again, you mentioned some of them. What are your favorite – what are the favorite little, like, side bits, you know, uh, of, like, kind of the shows and commercials that were on there? Uh, my favorite is probably Wheel of Fish, just, be, like, um, Getty Wanatabi doing his uh, – so overacted, it's hilarious. Yeah, Cooney's great. I, yeah. I love him. And then the other one would be, um, I can't remember his name, but the one with all the pets. Oh, yeah. Throwing them out the window and stuff. Raul, yeah. Raul, yeah. We don't need no stinking badgers. (laughs) And it's really, as it turned out, it ended up being tragic because he died during the the filming. Yeah, during the making. Uh, but yeah, he's great. Like, and and you actually you, you're kind of horrified because he's basically throwing uh, just dogs poodles. out the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah just throwing window. dogs out the window <laughs> to see if they can fly. So. Mm-hmm. so you said your dad liked. It. Had your dad seen the movie? I, I'm per- I don't think he had. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, just like he was very familiar with a lot of Weird Al's music from the '80s. I don't think he ever saw the movie, but we watched the movie together a couple times after I got it, and we both really enjoyed it. That's cool because I, I know my dad. He probably never watched it, but he probably saw a trailer and, and said something like, that looks like your type of movie. <laughs> so, yeah, and going into the actors, I mean, you had Kevin McCarthy, who I get, who by all means supposedly loved this, but he's such a great bad guy in this and, and a classic actor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also get some other actors that went on to be super famous, like Michael Richards and Fran Drescher. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this, this was right around the time that um, Victoria Jackson was on SNL, wasn't it? Right, right. So she was probably, you know, kind of riding high. Yeah, which is which is hilarious that like the people who are lesser known then are more known now, whereas the people who are more famous then, people like Kevin McCarthy or Victoria Jackson, a lot less people know now than they would at the time. Absolutely, and and Billy Barty too. Yeah, as well. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. So what are your favorite scenes in the in the film? So uh, I really enjoy just. Anything with uh, Philo, I think he's hilarious. Just <laughs> so weird, especially when he's uh, cooking uranium in the microwave. Yeah. <laughs> just hilarious. And just all 
just all the little character ticks that Weird Al's character has, just doing the weirdest, uh, putting the dog in the punch bowl, right. or um, hot dogs in uh, Twinkies with the cheese with the uh, cheese whiz on it, right? Um, just all the little sort of lines, and then and of course something we haven't really talked about yet is Michael Richards is just hilarious in this. That's right, uh, and, and he went to be you know he was the biggest star of them all. Yeah. But I mean, just his his character was hilarious. Just whenever they uh, took his mop yeah. when he was kidnapped, <laughs> you took my mop. My mom gave me that mop. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me th- remember because they used to always be those kind of kid shows, you know, like Romper mm-hmm. Room and things like that. I mean, do they even still have shows like that? Not really. Not sort of like the sort of like Pee Wee's Playhouse kind of thing. Yeah, or, like, something like that. Not really. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he <laughs> Stanley Spadowski's Playhouse was was pretty amazing, and mm-hmm. that that's always stuck stood out for me as a kid. Like he was by far my favorite. The other one as a kid that is is definitely not PC at all, but it always cracked me up was uh, the the movie parody of Gandhi Two: The Revenge. Oh my god, that was hilarious. Yeah, because this time he comes back, he's not going to take any shit. So yep, <laughs> yeah, which is great. Yeah. Uh, anything else like that that truly sticks out for you, and any other things you want to talk about UHF? I mean, just some of the uh, the even the sort of the background characters. Um, Doctor Demento makes a parody. Uh, it makes a small appearance, and everyone know, who knows Weird Al knows how important Doctor Demento was to his sort of beginnings of his career. Right. And um, like Billy Barty as Noodles Macintosh is just mm-hmm. hilarious. The first scene when he's uh, shows up as the camera person at the uh, news station mm-hmm. is just hilarious, but just all the sort of little bit actors are even funny. Um, all the different little mini scenes are great. And the, um, the hobo who ends up, Oh yeah. Um, hey, mister. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> who ends up saving the station with all the money that was, uh, with the one, the double sided coin. That's right. Yeah. I just think the whole movie is just great. I, I, I really enjoy it. It's definitely a cult classic. And I, every time I watch it, it's just as funny. It was, it was the first time. Yeah. And it's like one of those movies that lends to, you know, repeat viewing. Like one thing finally, like really watching it. I finally looked at the, when George and, um, Bob were looking at the board of what they're going to program. And if you like pause it, you can see all these crazy shows that they were going to uh, do. And so, yeah, I, I, I always suggest you, I think you can find it on IMDb. They give you a list of every single show they were doing. And so they're really funny. Yeah. I think I remember doing that before pausing it right when they have the big board of all the different shows. And this is some of the shows they have are just so outrageous. Oh, and then one of the other characters we didn't really didn't mention in big Louie. Yes. Hilarious with, uh, yeah, just, Constantly changing his hand, and oh, it's just hilarious. And I do love that quick little song. It's like thirty seconds long, where his uncle is in the pool, like kind of on the float, yeah. and he's talking on a giant cell phone. I want to be your hog. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's kind of like your typical hair metal, but done in a weird mm-hmm. out way. Yeah, oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's great. Well, as always, thank you so much, Joseph. And uh, I was glad to hear that you wanted to do a movie that wasn't technically a, a '30s or '40s classic. Yeah, I've re- I'm glad for having. Thanks for having me on. I really enjoy talking about this movie. It's one of my favorites. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. Thank you.
Hey, this is Brian Davis, and you might know me from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. And now, get ready for the Bad Beat Show on ThatMetalStation.com from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern every Wednesday night. I'm going to play some kick-ass hard rock inspired by the blues, because after all, the foundation of all things rock and metal is, of course, the blues. So join me every Wednesday night for the Bad Beat, because even when you lose, you still win. We are officially on Spotify now, so if you don't use iTunes, if you don't use the Podbean app, you can go to Spotify and get all of our past episodes. You can stream it on there, so if you're a Spotify user, you can go find Damn Good Movie (laughs) I can't even say my own podcast. Damn Good Movie Memories. Yes, I know what I'm talking about. I'm the host, right? Okay, so go to Spotify, look for Damn Good Movie Memories. You can stream all of that stuff. And yeah, so if you don't want to use iTunes, you don't want to use Podbean, you can use Spotify as well. All right, before we sign off, we do have t-shirts are available for sale. All you have to do is go to tpublic, that's T-E-E-P-U-B-L-I-C.com, and you can get your very own Damn Good Movie Memories t-shirt. You can get all sizes, any gender, you can get whatever you want just at the tip of your fingers. So just go to tpublic.com, look up Damn Good Movie Memories, and you can get your very own t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast and are an iTunes user, please do the show a favor and head on over to the official iTunes page for Damn Good Movie Memories. Be sure to leave a rating and a review. This will allow the show to appear higher in the algorithm and spread the joy of this podcast to the masses. If you are not an iTunes user, you can still listen and subscribe on Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook under our Damn Good Movie Memories page. You can also listen to a limited number of episodes on YouTube. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and be sure to tune in next week for an all new episode of Damn Good Movie Memories. I am Dr. Fuck. And I'm the actual alcoholic. And we are part of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. We are the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. That's right. And the way you can check us out is we are on iTunes and also Podbean. And we forgot a review recently. I got this review right here. It says right here, it says, Rock and Metal Combat Podcast is the greatest podcast in the world. And it's my number one podcast signed by Science. Now, and then Science also says... Science! Science also said... My second favorite podcast is It Doesn't Matter, The Rest Suck. Rock and Metal Combat Podcast on iTunes and Poppy. Check it out. Science! Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault on Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. This is Stephen Michael from the Growing Up Rock Podcast. If you're like me and my co-host, Sonny Hollywood Pooney, 
You grew up loving hard rock and metal music. Check out our podcast where we talk to bands and artists that help create the soundtrack to our lives, along with playing some killer new and old deep tracks of kick-ass guitar-driven rock and roll. Find us wherever you find your podcast to listen to. That's the Growing Up Rock Podcast, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K. And feel free to hit us up at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Growing Up Rock. So sit back and crank it up.